0: Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone's going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and... And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 168 of the big show. The Boxing Day Blowout Show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? The Christmas hangover? Hope, hope Santa was good to everybody. Um, yeah. I'm actually... This is like a time machine. I'm, I'm recording this on Thursday, the 23rd. So, um, you know, obviously... Maybe Santa won't be good to me. I hope he is. I'll have to let you know for the New Year's. Know your schedule here, folks. Um, I plan on Wednesday next next week um, will be the final episode of twenty twenty one. What a year! Uh, you know, lots of uh, lots of issues obviously facing the world, and lots of uh, lots of yeah, just bullshit, right? Let's just lots of shit, and uh, yeah. It has been fun in a lot of aspects, but a lot. But in other ways, it was. It's been um, on a personal level. Um, you know, obviously, uh, a lot. Of, a lot of stuff has happened to me this year, and uh, yeah, I'll talk about that and everything else. But I'm doing a kind of a you know, like how the sports shows do, like a year in review and that type of thing. Um, I've been all day. Actually, I've been sitting here. And, uh, I was taking out sound bites from different interviews that I've done with guys and I'm putting them together. Um, what do I got? Uh, oh, I can't remember my list. I, um, I got six or seven or eight, eight sound bites, something like that. I don't know. It's about 45 minutes, um, of just, uh, different interviews and different, uh, sound bites. And, uh, that'll be the Wednesday show and, uh, you're in review and I got some stuff to talk to you guys for stuff coming up in 2022, but, uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll do the Boxing Day show here as you're recording this. I hope everybody, like I said, I hope everybody had a excellent Christmas and got together with family as, as, as best we could these, in these uncertain times. And, uh, yes, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, going out to the in-laws on Christmas Day and then, uh, uh, Boxing Day the 26th. As you're listening to this, I will be at my parents' house and, uh, cause hopefully my brother will have his schedule permit um, and uh, we can get together there for do that so back-to-back days of uh, some presents and eating too much and kids screaming and uh, beers being drank and uh, yeah looking forward to it but in the meantime this is Thursday and we got uh, we got a Boxing Day show to do here uh, so today I am going to talk about briefly uh, some World Junior stuff um, Yuka in Finland was good enough. My excellent resource uh, man for the uh, behind the scenes here at the 4th Line Voice uh, Enterprises. Uh, he is my research uh, go-to guy. Uh, he has sent me, uh, and you've often, well, the older listeners will know what I'm talking about, but the younger ones won't, but you've heard me refer to this website, the Fried Chicken Hockey Fight site. It was the very first fight message board I was ever on in, like, 1998, Um Anyway, he uh, dug up an archive from it, and it was uh, a member named Bulldog, I believe, uh, posted a Larry Playfair interview that he had done, and uh, I will do that, because Larry Playfair is one of those guys, he's sort of, um, and like I said, I'm far from a Playfair expert, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces. Unfortunately, there just isn't a lot of uh, footage of, of Big Larry, and uh, huge reputation, um, I really wish there was more fights out there, um, but like I said, he's got a huge rep, and, uh, anytime I can hear, um, uh, the stories and stuff, it's always fun, and, uh, so it was cool that, uh, to read the interview, and, uh, and he talks about a few guys in there, and, uh, I will, I will talk about some of the, you know, I won't, you know, read the whole interview to you, we'll be here until, uh, next Boxing Day, but, I mean, um, I will kind of go over some of the highlighted things that I have, and to wrap it up, as like I always say, you jokers out there, you love your list. Well, I got a list, uh, the top 13, I don't know why they picked 13, uh, the Chicago Blackhawk fighters of all time. So uh, again, I've had people send me, uh, I've had listeners send me multiple lists and links and they're just like, yeah, dude, you got to check this out. And uh, I have not, I always say, I want, um, I want you guys to get my honest reaction. So I don't ever click on the link. Um, well, I click on it briefly to make sure it works. But other than that, I don't scroll it. I don't read the list. So I have no idea who's on this list. I am just going by um, what this gentleman uh, uh, named uh, I Nick has sent me. And thank you again. And he sent me a couple lists, actually. And I appreciate that. It, uh, make, it makes doing this a lot easier. When you got to do two shows a week, sometimes you're scrambling for, uh, for ideas. But, uh, I love doing the lists and for, for whatever reason, it's the top 13. I don't, I don't know what the 13 had to do with anything, but, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so Blackhawk fighters. So we will do that. But before we get going, of course, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Uh, not really sure what they're going to be up to now with the league kind of in, uh, COVID shutdown right now. Hopefully, uh, That all gets straightened out, and everybody stays healthy and uh, can bounce back, and uh, the season can get going again, and uh, because right now, uh, yeah, scary times, so hopefully they'll get back out of here, but um, yes, but there's uh, plenty of back episodes for fans of whatever team you're a fan of to listen to. For my off-network friends, um, of course, we have part-time Oli, who runs the uh, old Alec, who uh runs the Five for Fighting podcast. <clears throat> oh, yeah, and I got it. Oh, yeah, here we go. You know, he just put the episode out today. Last night, he's in Quad City right now. He's up there visiting his grandparents, and he happened to stop by Jay's place. You people on Facebook will know him as UHL Legends. Um, and the two of them sat down and recorded, uh, and they did an all-time Quad City Mallard. Tough guy list top ten, I believe it is. Um, I will listen to it. I have to work tomorrow, so I am gonna. I say I didn't listen to it today. I saved the episode. I'm going to listen to it tomorrow in the truck. But I could imagine this mud show. You know, they recorded it. You know, out out in Jay's shed. I'm sure. I'm sure the acoustics will be lovely, and all uh, oh, the booze is out. I was getting incoherent text messages about 10:30 last night. I don't know what went on out there. You know, Jane has IPAs and his whiskey. I don't know. He's drinking what? What? What metal group is it that makes the whiskey out there? Was it Guar? Flatsum and Jetsum? I don't know. Who. He drinks some whiskey from some mud show band. I don't know. And then uh, you know. And then besides that, and his IPAs, you know, it's Christmas, so I'm sure he's drinking fucking chestnut ale or whatever. And then Alec and his Bush Apple. Or Bush whatever. I don't hear hold on. Cheers. First today. So basically, drunken shenanigans, top ten, Quad City Mallards list. Looking forward to hearing it. Um Yeah. I'm you know, I, I can't even you know, we're we're so low now, we're reaching up to touch bottom here. So But yes, but I but I've always given Alec credit, I will say, as much as it pains me sometimes, he does have a tremendous back catalog. Ray by Segroy. On and on. He does, Jason Rushton, he does a good job. Uh, um, but he's been hit. Yeah, you know, he got married again and you know, same, same gal, you know, I, I don't know how he'd he her into saying yes twice, but I don't know. Hell of a salesman, but, um, yeah. So they're on their second honeymoon. Yeah. Like I said, a honeymoon. Yeah. Going to quad cities. Like I said, that's like trading your house in for a tent. So, you know, but, uh, you know, and then I, I don't know where Jay quite lives in Iowa, but you know, I heard the city limit signs on the same post, so I'm sure it's a real rocking rockin' rocking rockin time there. So, you know, local hooker's a virgin, you know, that's how big this place is. But anyway. So we got you got that to look forward to at the Five for Fighting show. And then of course you got Broadway Joe Lazito. Get rid of Lazito over in New York. The the king of Well, I was gonna say Long Island, but he's on Broadway now. And, uh, you know, working out of MSG, running that running that show, most famous arena in the world. You can make it in New York. You can make it anywhere, kid. And, uh, you know, hey, New Year's is coming. You want to see the Nutcracker? Go talk to Joe. Go talk to Joe. Joe will crack your nuts for you. Get you a good deal. I don't know. Between nuts and Yule Logs and, yeah, Joe's Joe's the guy. But he runs a... In his when he's not in the box office, he does a New York Islander based podcast. I wonder if his employers know that. It's a little conflict of interest, but yeah. But for now, Coliseum Chronicles. Joe does a great job. Fakoda, Dean Ewan, Strudwig, Asham. Speaking of Aaron Asham, I had a guy on the Facebook group tell me, uh he's a Flyer fan, and he said, uh Asham was an ass clown who picked his spots when he was in Philadelphia. I like I I don't know. There maybe before that, in some of these groups we should drug test before you can post. Aaron Asham is a spot picker. What what? Eh. Yeah. This is where we're at in some of these fight groups. Anyway. But Aaron Asham, Eric like uh, I still can't believe that. Still rolling my eyes. I even like said text to my brother. He's just like, What? I'm like, yeah, I know. These are the people we let in these groups. But uh Bolton and on and on tremendous back catalog um, hopefully um, you know if you really want to make a statement Joe Lazito' sells merchandise put that under your Christmas tree that'll let, that hey that'll let your family know what you really think of them if you give them something with Joe Lazito's face on it let me tell you but Coliseum Chronicles Broadway Joe Lazito give her the lazito all right boys and girls here we are Uh, of course, it's Boxing Day, so of course, uh, in North America, or at least in Canada, anyway, it is, that means World Junior time, and I mean, I broke down World Junior list before and everything else, I've told the story of in Saskatoon in 91, when Eric Lindros and Brad May and the boys were here winning gold, John Slaney's winning goal with a minute left, tremendous, um, the only, uh, I'm, I'm not, I have no, I don't pay attention to junior hockey, I, I couldn't name you one, well I know one player on Team Canada is that 16 year old kid, was it Connor, is it Bedard, Benard? what Bedard, is that his name? Yeah, Connor something, anyway, league plays for Regina, I know he made the team, but other than that I don't know any of these kids, so I, I'm not going to say who, I always laugh though, because what, what made me bring, I wasn't even going to bring up the World Junior thing today, but. I just happened to be putting my phone down before I hit record, and one of the last tweets I read was something about somebody not making the team, which all which I mean is the is the bitch every year, right? Oh, so they I can't believe they picked Jim over Joe, and that's just terrible. I'm like, it's the World Junior team, like you. That's like complaining about a Porsche instead of a Ferrari, you know? Like, what are we doing here? Like, is there really a bad choice? It's on all seriousness, and I always laugh. So of course, of course, if Canada doesn't win gold, oh my God, it's the end of the world, and we need to work on our development. And oh, they'll oh, you watch if Canada doesn't win gold, all oh, Cox and the hockey news, and everybody will have a field day with how Canada isn't skilled anymore, and it's not our game, and we're terrible, and blah blah blah. They got it oh, all right away. You know, if Canada doesn't win every game, ten nothing, and we're the shits, and. Like, never mind the fact, I think what somebody said, we've been in the finals like 12 years in a row and whatever, a couple, having one goal for a while, but oh my God, it's just the end of the world. It's like, oh, give it a rest, you know? But it's just like, yeah, it's the rest of the world caught up, you know? And I said, well, that, of course, I said, well, I mean, I'm not trying to sound like Don Cherry or anything, but I mean, in reality, I mean, with all the, over the years, like when Canada was dominating in the 80s and the 90s and stuff, and then in the two, we, we change the rules of the game to suit European players. Really? I mean, is that not European, European influence? And of course, as soon as Canada didn't win the gold medal, like, win six in a row or whatever it is, as soon as they don't, like, I mean, eventually you got to lose, right? It's, it's a best of one. Anything can happen. Um, they lose. Oh, we got to have a summit. What's wrong with junior hockey in Canada and our skills. And we're just thugs and plumbers and, They've got skill and all we do is hit and blah blah blah. So what do we do? Oh, we alter our teams and everything else and like Canada always had the one line of hitters, some kind of some big demon that would step up and smack. Oh no shit. they you know, nah. Try to play the game and it's like, well you're playing right into their hands with the skills and stuff and kinda of got away from the hitting and stuff and Oh hell, the Americans and shit run us out of the rink. Last few times I've watched, but although I will say, even like back in the day and stuff when the U.S. wasn't as good. I mean, they would always hit back, right? Like, those were the big physical games were against, you know, and then the Swedes and the Finns and stuff. I mean, that's just their game. They're, they, they, theirs wasn't a physical game. It was just a different mindset towards hockey. So Canada would just basically bully them, really. And and, <laughs> and we won. And like I said, all the time, and you even like to this day, you watch these Stanley... Who wins the Stanley Cups? Yeah who's the big pickup at the trade deadline for these cup teams lately? Maroon. Oh, yeah, it's for all the power play goals, right? Oh, yeah, sure. No, it's always... Physical. They just can't... Uh, they just can't get out of their own way. But, and of course, the, like I said, the media starts crying about we don't have the skills and everything. Oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, but anyway. There's my Don Cherry-like rant. But it just gets... I guess you have to, like... Um, like, live here in Canada to appreciate, um, like, how serious the World Juniors was taken. I mean, I guess with social media now, you get to see all the articles and stuff. But this was sort of more before social media, kind of late, early 2000s, before all this kind of really took off. All oh, the articles and the crying that would go on and the stuff on the news. and It was embarrassing. Like all, like I said, if you didn't, if Canada doesn't win every game by a blowout and win the gold medal walking away, oh, it's the end of the world here. Oh, like I said, they had us, they, after they didn't win gold, they had us, they literally, Hockey Canada and all these coaches from all these different provinces got together and, oh, we gotta work on skill-based stuff like we didn't before. Like, oh yeah, no, we didn't do any skills before. We just ran around and hit each other and fought. Like this, this is how they kind of built it up. Like, oh, Canada, just dummies, you know, they've never had, There's never been a cone put out in a practice once, you know. It's just like, oh, my God. Like, just the dramatics. Oh, Ken Dryden crying about how it's gotten away from us. and Oh, God. Yeah, it's just eye-rolling. Anyway, I said I wasn't going to talk about it in 16 minutes in. I'm talking about the World Juniors. But anyway, like I said, obviously being in Canada, go Canada. But, you know, whatever. I'll be watching here and there and intermittently, but whatever. Certainly not with the same amount of uh, interest that I've had in years gone by, but... We'll see what happens, but uh, well. I was going to. I got to open the article up here. As I said, I uh, thank you, you and Finland for sending me uh, the Larry Playfair stuff. Like I said, my uh, my European friend and his and his uh, excellent researching. Um. Yes, the bulldog here, and this was posted in two thousand March of oh four. And, uh, yes, he sat down with Larry Playfair. And like I said, I'm not going to read this word for word. Or we'll be here for a while. But, um, I'm, I'm going to pick out a few, uh, a, a few highlights. And, um, well, this one I found really interesting. Playfair played his first pro, his pr- first pro hockey in Hershey, the American Hockey League, the farm team that was shared at the time with the Capitals. He was very nervous by his surroundings and he, re- he recalls that there was some a- animosity towards him and some of the other players because of the fact that Buffalo had made him their first round pick. On one occasion he recalls staying after practice to shoot to shoot some pucks. Larry is always trying to improve his puck handling and shooting abilities. Uh Archie Henderson, Gary Risling and Nelson Burton, all Washington owned players, also hung around after practice, but not to shoot pucks. As they saw Larry working on a shot with several pucks lined up, Nelson Nelson Burton shot his own pucks into Larry's and said, and what are you gonna what are you gonna do about that? Larry didn't know what to do. Henderson, Risling, and Burton, his supposed teammates, were all now looking to gang up on the rookie and test his toughness. He chose not to fight any of them, at least not on that night, but he ended up fighting both Henderson and Risling in the NHL. <clears throat> um, yeah, there's a little tension in the room, eh? Like, holy, yeah. And like, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not up to date on who Nelson Burton is, but uh, I know Archie Henderson and Gary Risling are. Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty wild. Um, where, while where are we here? Um, oh, he talks about his fights with Jimmy Mann. I believe, uh, William and I talked about this, uh, in the, in the, when I had William on the show, the Winnipeg fan. Um, the man fights he he had become pretty good he has become pretty good friends with Jimmy Man, but he readily admits that he did not respect Jimmy Man when they played against each other. He could never understood why a guy with such a killer left hand needed to play as dirty as he did, although he didn't respect man, he certainly was fearful of him and watched for him at all times. Their first fight was in Winnipeg, and he recalls man blatantly spearing Hamel in front of the buffalo bench or Hamel. Uh, in front of the Buffalo bench as the line changed. He jumped over the boards and met up with man, first exchanging words about the spear, then the gloves flew off. Playfair says that he was doing, he was doing well in the fight. He had man bent over and in trouble until man unleashed a vicious left hand that caught Larry flush in the nose and broke it instantly. Blood was everywhere. The fight was over. Larry, Larry calls the fight the worst loss of his career because the, the team had been playing very poorly and it was at the end of a very long road trip. And they needed a big win to pick up their spirits. This loss in defense of a teammate only made things worse. Larry was very dejected about losing a man the way he did. However, he was determined to get a rematch and he circled the calendar waiting for the return game in Buffalo some weeks later. To Larry, all the games in between the two Winnipeg games meant nothing waiting for a chance to get back at man. When game time finally hit, he saw Ferguson talking talking up man uh, for the press before the game, and it made Playfair even more determined. During warm-up, man was jawing at Larry, telling him he was going to get his ass kicked again. Playfair was definitely fearful of man, but this pregame bullshit got him angry. Early in the game, the puck got lodged in a scrum near the bench with both man and Playfair on the ice. The gloves came off, and without too much detail, Playfair feels he evened the score. There we go. And then the other one was, of course, uh, Dave Semenko. <clears throat> Uh, the Semenko fight was the first fight was in Edmonton. He believes it was when Dave Lumley had run Ramsey near the penalty box in which Lindy Ruff was already in there. Semenko came over and had some words with Ruff telling him to shut the fuck up. Playfair came over and told Semenko to do the same. Larry said that he was definitely fearful of Semenko. He knew him from the Western Hockey League and he had looked, and he had looked, and he had looked, had a, oh Jesus, spit it out. I'm about seven beer in folks. Give me, give me a break here. He he had a look about him that put the fear of God in you. On the next shift, the puck went into the corner, and they decided to go. Larry says he got a lucky shot in on Sammy, and they may have that may have put him down. But it was just as easily could have been a slip. Samenko did not get up though, and he thinks it was likely from the punch. Their second fight was in the preseason and wasn't much at all, in his opinion. Well, there you go. That's interesting. Um uh, His his the that because that was like a big deal, right? Play for in Samenko, but. uh yeah, it was just uh it was just a really interesting article. If anybody's actually interested in this, um like the whole thing, uh just uh drop me an email. Hockey all oh one word, hockeyfights at hotmail.com. Just ask me for it and I will uh I'll send you the link. Um you can you can read it there. But uh just kind of they do a summary at the end and it's like his biggest win, his first Semenko fight just because of who it was and how it happened. He was scared to death with Semenko prior to that fight. Biggest loss, Jimmy Mann, we just talked about that. Um, biggest fight was against Bob Nystrom. It was his first big league fight against a named fighter. He respected his ability and was happy to see he could hang with a guy like Nystrom and it built his confidence. Uh, most underrated fighter, Kurt Fraser. He knew a Fraser from the Western League and saw him in the pros. A devastating puncher. When in the mood to hurt somebody, it was very tough. Uh, had no respect for it. Paul Baxter, Gary Risling, who speared, who had speared Playfair out of nowhere, but later paid the price. And then uh, Keith Acton and Ken Linsman. Uh, tough middleweight, hard to say, but he ranks his teammate Danny Gare as good as anybody. Um, yeah, this is an interesting story, actually. His last NHL fight was against Rich Sutter in Vancouver. Um the fight took place near the Buffalo Net. Sutter was egging Playfair on, and Larry was reluctant to fight Sutter. They dropped the gloves, and Playfair broke Sutter's nose and jaw. He was carried off the ice, and Playfair was thrown out of the game. As Playfair exited the rink following the removal of Sutter, he saw Darcy out in the hallway outside of the medical room, and he asked how Sutter was doing. Rota said, not good. Playfair was very concerned about what had happened and looked through the crack in the door to the medical room and could see Sutter laid out and in serious discomfort. Larry went in the room and offered apologies to Sutter and asked why Rich wanted to fight him so bad. He left the room and, in his words, puked my brains out in the washroom next door. This fight was the beginning and the end of his career. He wasn't enjoying the fights and was sickened by what he had done to Sutter. He voluntarily retired shortly after that game. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, oh, and then also the coaster KO on his brother Jim Playfair. I mean, if, if nobody's seen that video, it's on, well, it's all over YouTube, but it's on the Fourth Line Voice channel. But yeah, coaster versus Jim Playfair. Actually, that fight, that knockout's vicious, but that, actually, that knockout almost cost coaster his, um uh, his arm because he had, he had got it infected, in his knuckle, and he never got it looked at, and his arm swelled up. He's in the hospital. Yeah, it was brutal. But yeah, he drops playfair hard, Jim Playfair hard. Uh, Larry not, Larry never sought retribution for the knockout, although he admitted that he kind of felt bad that he hadn't given the fact, given the fact that it was his brother, something he never really thought about doing. That's interesting, actually. Um, but yeah. Oh, and then some thoughts on specific fighters. Uh, Clark Gillies, as much as he respected Bobby Nystrom, uh, he said that he had to, he had to fight another fight against Nystrom or Gillies. He would have, he would have picked Nystrom in his opinion that Gillies was just downright scary looking on the ice. And Larry freely admitted that he was actually afraid of Clark when they played. He has huge respect for Gillies, both as a player and as an accomplished fighter when he had to. Uh, Bob Probert. It's in his opinion that play, that Probert is the best all around hockey fighter of all time. For him to stay on top for as long as he did is, is near unbelievable. It's one thing to get to the top. It's quite another to stay there. Probert did that taking on all comers. Uh, Tiger Williams. Great friends with Tiger, although they haven't talked recently. When uh, Playfair was traded to L.A., Williams was the first guy to offer Larry help uh, at setting up a place to stay or live in Los Angeles. He considers Tiger the ultimate team guy, just like Terry O'Reilly was. Randy Holt. Didn't meet up with Holt too often, really couldn't offer an opinion. Um, on Jack Carlson, the playoff game with Minnesota left Larry with the opinion that Jack was an opportunistic as a fighter, not high on the respect scale. Uh, John Cordick, never really saw much of John. Knew he was around and had to be watchful of him. Never fought him though. Stan Jonathan, he thought Stan was very tough, but not tougher than Gear. That's interesting. He very much knew of his reputation as a solid puncher and felt it was justified. Fought Stan in Boston nearing the end of his stint with the Bruins. Uh, Glenn Cochran, he thinks he fought, thinks he fought Cochran in Buffalo. May have edged him a bit. Can't remember for sure. Ahem. <clears throat> Uh, Nick Fatio, good fighter in his opinion, but not as good as some consider him to be. Didn't see a lot of him though, so he's not certain on this. He saw, he saw him fight middleweight Lindy Ruff one night and had trouble with Ruff, so in his opinion is largely based upon that fight. However, when told that Nicky bested Sean Feld, he was a little surprised. Uh, where is Larry now? Playfair has his own business in commercial real estate and is actively involved in the NHL and Sabres alumni. Yeah, so there you go, a little, uh, a little, uh, Story on on Larry Playfair. Um, like I said, the the video, There's not a lot of video out there of him, and uh, and so it's kind of a mystery. Like I said, kind of one of those old school guys that a lot of the older fans um, really think highly of. And uh, like I can't like I mean, obviously, you know, with all the even the players and stuff have pumped Playfair's tires, but uh, I I like I said, I have not seen enough of him to offer any opinion. Of my own. I mean, from what I've seen, yeah, he was re- he's massive, especially for that time period. Really big dude. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the fights I've seen, he looks awesome. I do know in his first NHL shift, he goes behind the net and John Winstick, like, knocks him out with a body check, <clears throat> which was pretty wild to see. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, Larry Playfair, like I said, it's too bad there isn't more footage of him out there. But, uh, yeah, if any, like I said, if anybody wants to get that full interview from me, uh, yeah, hockey fights at Hotmail, just send me a Uh, just let me know and uh, I will send it over to you. But, uh, all right. Well, let's get into this, uh, Chicago Blackhawks. All right, here we are. Chicago Blackhawks, 13 best fighters in team history, uh, on the bleacher report by tab Bamford tab. Mm, All right. October 10th, 2011. Okay. So it's, you know, it's 10 years old. Um, so, we'll keep that in mind. <clears throat> As an original six franchise, the Blackhawks have a long colorful history. They've been elite scorers, great defensemen, and even a drunk goalie who won a cup in the, who won a game in the Stanley Cup finals. Alright. But in the long history of the Blackhawks, one consistent theme has been tough guys have had no problem dropping the gloves with anyone. Some guys did it to defend a teammate, some guys did it to spark a rally, others did it because the time had come for blood to be spilled. From all of the great fighters in the history of the franchise, here are 13 of the best to ever wear the Indian head sweater. And no, Patrick Kane didn't make the list. Uh, uh no, he would not. But all right. Here we go. The top 13. I'm just trying to think in my head real quick. Blackhawks. Okay. All right. Let's see what I, I hope this. Yeah. Okay. So like I said, I have not looked at this. I just clicked on the link to make sure it was working when I initially got sent to me. And, uh, so now I have not scrolled down and, uh, here we go. We'll, uh, we'll see. Number 13. Oh, we're off to a good set. Matthew Barnaby. He now works for ESPN, but during his playing days, Barnaby is a more than willing participant. Anytime someone wanted to dance, he wasn't a Blackhawk for long, thankfully. Last one, okay. But he had a few memorable balls while he was in Chicago. So they put him on the list and shit talk him. Okay, tab. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, uh, here, I'm going to, we'll do the, we're going to do the magic of, of editing here. Give me, uh, give me one second. <clears throat> okay, I had to go and check out, uh, HockeyDB here, um. Uh, yeah, I guess I knew Barnaby played for Chicago, but I can't. I'm getting all the teams mixed up, like who he played in what order. But yeah, it was the second last season of his career. So I mean, you know, at that point, give the guy a break. But he played all 82 games, had 28 points, eight goals, 178 minutes. I looked up, he had 10 fights. Um, Mayors, old, oh, he's always fighting Oda line. But Horta, Chuck, Brookbank, Konopka, Um I mean, what what do you want from the guy? <laughs> you know, a fourth liner at that point with, yeah, I mean, okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. I always like, I know, uh, Chris and I last episode, you know, you know, we obviously Barnaby kind of always been, I mean, despite the teams that he played on, I, I always view Barnaby as a Sabre guy, but, uh, I don't know. I, I get why people wouldn't like him, but I don't know. I was always a Barnaby fan. I like Barnaby. I mean, yeah, he ran his mouth and did shit and whatever, but I mean, he always backed it up, fought everybody. He's like an undersized guy. I mean, shit, he's under a hundred or he's under 200 pounds you know, what is he, six feet and 185, like, you know, and I mean, he fought everybody, so, I mean, you know, I've often seen, like, oh, Barnaby was like Avery, Uh, you know, yeah, but I'm like, uh, well, yeah, they were, but, I mean, Barnaby would fight heavyweights where Avery wouldn't, you know, And, and Barnaby was a lot better player than I think people give him credit for, I mean. You know, he played for a long time, but I mean, yeah, just looking at his stats here, I mean, 15, 19, 12, 14, 12, I mean, he had double-digit goal seasons and stuff, and I mean, you know, I don't know what, you know, and I mean, he was fun to watch. I mean, God, I wish, you know, I wish the league had more Matt Barnaby's, but it's kind of an interesting list. I mean, you know, like I said, I guess there really wasn't any qualifications for the list. I mean, you know, I mean, Barnaby's a tough enough guy, okay, but I mean, at this point his second last career second last season of his career and you know I wouldn't really consider Barnaby a Blackhawk guy but okay so no it's an interesting start anyway number 12 Stu Grimson uh 12 all right um Grimson was willing to throw down with anyone no matter how big they were well he was usually the biggest guy in the I would say Grimson was the biggest guy in pretty much every one of his fights um in this clip he hammers away at the all-time at an all-time fighter Rob Ray um uh, I, Grimson was one of the best of all time. I don't... I, okay, well, if he's 12, I'm like, I'm interested to see what the rest of this list is. Um, I mean, what needs to be said about the Grim Reaper? Now, granted, I will say, um, <clears throat> Stu got a lot better when he left Chicago. I mean, he started finding his prime, really, in Carolina, and then, you know, had to run with Anaheim and L.A. and stuff. And, I mean, he was real dominant at that point. Um, but in Chicago, you know, he's kind of, you know... Finding his way and whatever, but I mean, um, so I mean, he became a lot better after he left Chicago. But at the same time, um, now that I'm on, I know. Sorry, guys. I was, I don't know what I was. Oh, it was when I was uh, doing the New Year's show. I'm getting sound bites. I I was listening because I don't listen back to my shows, and uh, I was hearing the mouse. That's really annoying to hear the mouse clicking. I'm gonna try to in the new year here as we go on. I'll try not to do as much mouse clicking. That's actually really irritating to listen to. But uh, for this exercise, bear with me because we'll kind of do some DB stuff as I'm talking about this. Because, like I said, I haven't done this list before, so this is all new. So I'm going to go on the fly checking out hockey DB. But um, yeah, Stu, I mean, he started in Calgary briefly a couple games. Uh, Blackhawks, uh, one, two, three. Yeah, he played three seasons in Chicago. Yeah, so he's basically just a rookie. 35 games, 54, 78 games. Then he went to Anaheim, then Detroit, and uh, Hartford and Anaheim. Yeah, he was in Anaheim twice. I didn't realize that there was a break in between. Um, I would say definitely after he left Chicago, but at the same time, he was just starting out, right? So obviously you find your feet, your legs, and everything, but um, I think I would probably have him hired 12. But we'll see how this list goes. Eleven. Reed Simpson. See, like I'd have Grimson ahead of Reed Simpson, but I love Reed Simpson. He was tremendous. Um, Yeah. Well, once again, bear with me as I as I type away here. But I want to see how many seasons did Reed Simpson play in Chicago? As I'm sitting here in the dark, um, trying to type. Yeah. I will say, I know I've mentioned it before and I hate like keep pumping it up, but on my YouTube channel, I put up a bunch of Reed Simpson, like Hershey Vera stuff. Tremendous. His fights with Langdon in the American League were awesome. Um, how many seasons did he play in Chicago? Yeah, two. 97, 98, and then 98, 99. Yeah, he was, um, I know that one, the, the one year in Chicago, uh, uh, was unbelievable how tough they were. Yeah, it was the 98-99 year. Yeah, when old Lauren Mulligan, the old Blades coach, uh, was there. Um, yeah, Probert, Manson, uh, Smolik, Reed Simpson, Brad Brown, Jamie Allison, Jamie Allison, underrated toughness. Um, Chris Murray briefly, Ryan Vandenbush, Cam Russell, like Ty Jones, Bonvie, Remy Royer for a while. Like, oh, yeah. That was a that's a you know a copy of that DVD, but uh, yeah, Reed Simpson. I mean, uh, yeah, did it did it for a really long time. Um, you know, he played like you said. Well, I'm just looking at 300 games in the uh, in the NHL, but he was also in the American League for a long time. You know, uh, with Hershey and um, had a little run in Albany, and then he was in the IHL briefly. He went over. He was actually in Russia for a couple of years in the KHL. That's kind of where he uh, kind of wrapped it up, but. Um, yeah, he was uh, he was a bad dude, man. If you uh, for those out there, if you're not familiar, um, definitely go to YouTube. Reed Simpson, check him out. Um, he, he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, big Reed Simpson fan. Uh, number ten, Ben Eager. One of two current. Well, obviously this is, this list was from 2011. One of two current NHL players in the list. Igor was always willing to go at it and was a lot of fun to watch when the gloves hit the ice. Yeah, I was actually, I remember I always got, I got, uh, OHL assorted tapes in the early 2000s from Eben. I wonder what old e- Eben's doing out there. He was a good dude. Uh, we used to trade. I'd send him the dub stuff and he'd send me his OHL stuff. And I was always so jealous because it looked like the OHL, there was a lot of like, Uh, local cable that would record, that did a lot of the games, and it was like all broadcast quality and shit, yeah, he had some great OHL mixes, I used to get those for about three or four years from him, hope he's doing good out there, I'd love to sit down and talk, I'd love to get a hold of that guy again, you know, just the the old tape traders, just see what they're doing but, uh, yeah, he, anyway, he sent me an OHL tape, and Eager was playing in Oshawa, was just all over it I'm like, who is this guy, he's a big dude just flattening guys with hits, and getting into these fights, and he, I believe he was a first round draft pick, and, uh yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, you know, was he the greatest NHL fighter? Well, no, but I mean, um, I'm trying to think who I had on the show. Um, somebody was saying, like, he's just like the most jacked individual he had ever seen. But yeah, I mean, he played for the Hawks for a while. He bounced around. Yeah, he played 400 NHL games. I actually didn't realize he had played that many. Um, like I said, played four seasons in Oshawa and then he was at the Phantoms for a while. I saw a bunch of his Phantom stuff too. And, uh, you know, he got drafted by Philly. Yeah, 20 you go, 23rd overall. Um, but yeah, then got traded to the Hawks and played in Atlanta briefly and then wrapped up in Edmonton. But, uh, yeah, like I said, big dude ran around. I mean, was he the king of the world? No. But, uh, I mean, I, hey, <laughs> Ben Eager's cool as shit with me, man. I, I dug him. Now, again, when I put him in front of Reed Simpson and Stugrim? Uh, no. But, uh, hey, I'm down with Ben Eager. Number nine. huh. Bob McGill, Big Daddy. Um, yeah, hey, you know, I, he did a nice job hitting as often as he hit as hitting as often as he got hit an underrated part of fighting in the NHL. Yeah, I mean I hey, I'm a massive Bob McGill fan and uh yeah, I mean I think he probably I mean, he's probably obviously most known as a, as a Leaf and uh but uh you know, he played started his career there and everything else, but with one, two, three, four, yeah, four seasons with the Hawks and uh you know, kind of the, in the mid to late 80s and fought everybody and yeah, big D man and uh hey I'm I'm down with Bob McGill, yeah. He had, he had some great bouts of Probert, and uh, I know Probert got him and dropped him the one, and I know they had the the one fight there where they were all of a sudden uh, Probert out of nowhere like head butted him, and somebody asked Probert after like why would you head Bob McGill, he just goes ah my arms got tired. So there you go. Oh the code, but um yeah, I'm down with I'm down with Big Daddy, number eight John Scott. Mm, really. Uh, I honestly don't know why anyone would want to fight this guy anymore. He's he's never lost. Well, what, this guy asked John Scott, and uh, rarely do his opponents stay in the box. The, the dressing room for a quick stitch is more more likely. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I you know I like I said I mean anybody that's listened to this show for a while, um, I I, res- I, mean, I mean I respect what John Scott did. He played the role and, and everything else. Um, I. I don't know, I, to me, he's kind of overrated as a fighter. Um, I don't want to say picked his spots, but if you go back and look at his fight card, yeah, there's some notable names missing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, would I have him on this list? Eh. I mean, two seasons in Chicago. Uh, actually I'm curious. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to edit the magic of editing again. I'm actually curious in the fact that I want to see how many fights he was in in Chicago. Yeah, like, okay, so I just kind of looked up his two seasons, his fight card there, and I mean, yeah, okay, Kochi, Westgarth, Staubitz, Winchester, Cam Jansen, Storantini. Then the next year, Sheldon Brookbank, Cam Jansen, Ryan Reeves, Dorset in England. You know, so it's like, eh, you know, Staubitz, Winchester, I don't know, Derek, like, Sheldon Brookbank, Dorset, and, I mean, like I said, I'm a fan, I'm a fan of all the guys I just listed, um, but you know, when you're six foot eight, it's kind of, all right, you know, um, okay, I mean, I guess at the time when this was, like, like I said, it was 2011, the article, so, I mean, he's just gone on two seasons, probably undefeated, yeah, so, I mean, I get where the writer's coming from in the terms of the article, but, because, of course, I'm using hindsight, right, um, I don't know, like I said, there's just, I don't know what it is about John Scott, like I said, I don't have a An issue with them or anything. I mean, like I said, big dude did it. Uh, one, definitely one more than he lost. Um, I don't know. I guess you could, like I said, you could pop some holes into his fight card a little bit. Um, talk to a few guys off the record. They weren't real high on Scott. Um, you know, whatever. I mean, that's their opinion and you know, everybody has their opinion, right? That's the, that's the joy of this. And, uh, yeah. Now in terms of like all time Blackhawk fighters, I mean, again, I guess when the article was written, the guy's gone two years undefeated. So, yeah, I guess I can see it. But, you know, well, I guess like I always say with the hindsight, right? So, but there we go. John Scott, number eight. Uh, number seven, Kurt Fraser. Well, yeah, there you go. Uh, he had no fear and fought ever, anyone, anywhere. I'm actually old tab. I'm surprised he actually put Kurt Fraser on here. But, uh, yeah, uh, Kurt Fraser. Um, well, obviously his name just came up in the... Uh, in the, in the Playfair article and like even Larry Playfair was like, yeah, when this guy was in the mood, man, he was like mean as shit. But, uh, but again, Kurt Fraser, uh, solid player, 25, 29, 25 goal seasons. Um, you know, did not a real big dude, didn't fight that much, but when he did put the thumpins on people and like i said a lot of his footage isn't really especially the vancouver stuff like in his early years i mean there's some stories that come out of vancouver some of uh, fraser's fights that are unbelievable unfortunately there's just no footage of it but uh yeah blackhawks in the early to mid 80s and uh you know some of his stuff's out there but again a little older had some injury issues um so he uh you know you probably never saw a real primed up kurt fraser but uh yeah, stories of him are legendary, but, yeah, big big puncher. Uh, number six, Mike Peluso. 91-92 uh, Peluso, piled up four hundred eight penalty minutes in only 63 games. You do the math. Um, yeah, there was, I know there was some talk about the other night, the other day on the group, and people were kind of shitting on him. Well, oh, did the Peluso ever win? And, yeah, I mean, you know. Especially in his, he was a rookie in Chicago, and his balance was real bad. Like, you know, I always say it looked like kind of like he was on roller skates, but, um, his balance was real suspect, um, in his early Chicago years. Um, but I was always a fan of Palooza, man. Like, I was so willing, would just go, big dude, would just get out and give her, um, got better over the years. I mean, I think he really came into his own, like, when he was in Chicago, he was kind of like, you know, he Grimson and them there, so he was kind of the understudy, but, uh, when he went to Ottawa, when they had the expansion and he first went there and, you know, picked up the 400 minutes and really, uh, really fought everybody and, and, and stepped up and had some, had some nice wins. Uh, actually, again, uh, I hate to keep bringing up my channel, but Pluso, Mark Jansen's, check that fight out. It's a real solid tilt in Ottawa. Um, but again, I guess it's a Blackhawk list, but, um, you know, I wouldn't have him real, I, willingness for sure, I'd have him up there, but, uh, in terms of results, you know, in a, a Blackhawk list, um, I wouldn't have Peluso on it, uh, or at least not in front of Grimson and Reed Simpson and them. But um, overall, I mean, I dig Paluso. I mean, shit, I mean, if he played now, he'd be freaking King Kong. But I mean, um, yeah, didn't back down. Tremendous fight card. Um, yeah, won some cups with New Jersey. I mean, I'm, I'm down with with uh, with Paluso for sure. Um, I know he, you know, he's having his issues now, unfortunately, and hopefully. Uh, you know, uh, I know he's suing the NHL and, and that type of thing. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully he can find the, uh, you know, hopefully his health improves or he can find, you know, he gets some uh, gets some help and uh, hopefully that works out uh, for him. But, uh, yeah, in terms of uh, uh, being a Mike Palouse, hey, Darren at the 4th Land Voice is a Mike so fan anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm down. Number five, Dave Manson. Holy shit, did John do this list? A willing participant and heavyweight on the ice, Manson stood up for his teammates as well. Um, Manson, first of all, Manson was a lot better player than I think people give him credit for. Played forever, um, definitely had a mean streak, was dirty, uh, and he definitely had like you know the Charlie nickname and everything else, and uh, had the big rep and everything else. In terms of his fighting, as much as Johns and some of these blackhawk guys go on, Manson, to me, in my opinion, was not that great of a fighter. Um, he would fight, but definitely, uh, I don't think he's the, he's the great fighter that everybody makes him out to be. I mean, you know, I'm not, not like I'm saying it, like his fights are on YouTube. Go watch them. I mean, what massive heavyweight does Manson really take? You know I mean? I mean, they show the Scott Stevens fight and everything and it's like, okay, but like to me, that's what he, that's who he is. He's Scott Stevens. There's nothing wrong with that. Manson, like I said, Manson was a really solid player. And was just a real tough. Like you'd want him on your team. He's a tough D man. But I mean, this idea that Manson was some killer is like no. You know I mean oh well you know oh you drop Basil. Well, yeah okay. But I mean you know not knocking Basil McRae. But I mean let's you know dial it down a little bit. But you know. Um, but again I'm I like I, I'm a big Manson. I like Dave Manson. I was big, I was always a fan of Dave Manson. But in terms of this oh he's some elite heavyweight fighter. Uh, that, that some would make you believe. No, he wasn't. But I certainly wouldn't have five like in front of Reed Simpson and Stu Grimson. Hell, Mike Paluso and shit. Like, are you kidding me? Like, no. Number four, Al Secord. Yeah, again, I never... Yeah, 82, 83. Record, Secord had 180 minutes and 54 goals in the same season, fighting cut short what could have been an elite scoring career. Yeah, I mean, guy was a great power forward. Real, hell of a talent. Um Again, the fights I've seen, I don't... I, I don't see it, um, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't tough or anything, but to me, a lot of wrestling and stuff, I don't know, to me, he wasn't that great of a fighter, maybe I missed some of the early Bruins stuff, but, uh, I don't know, once he got to Chicago and stuff, eh, you know, but I mean, you're a top dude, I mean, I'm not, you know, like he wasn't a punching bag or anything, but to me, just a lot of kind of wrestling and stuff, but uh, but, but like I said, 54 goal seasons and stuff, yeah, he was a tremendous player, and uh yeah, but again, I mean, I'm not, I, it's not like I don't like Al Cord or anything. I'm sort of indifferent. I like, he's a great power forward. But uh, again, I, I don't, I'm not really sure about that heavyweight fighting status. But but yeah, awesome play. You'd want him on your team for sure. I mean, a guy'd be making like $15 million a year now if he was playing. Uh, scroll. Number three, Chris Chellios. Uh, okay, hold on. I had to go back up. What's the article? The 13 best fighters. In team history. Yeah, I have no idea why Chris Chelios is on this list whatsoever. Uh, as any captain must, Chelios defended his teammates while he was on sh- in Chicago. Uh, did he? I, I don't... I can't remember. In all my years of fight tapes and everything else, I don't... Here, I'm going to hit edit here. For, or I'm going to stop this for just one second. I have to look up his fight card. Yeah, like the most fights Chelios ever had in a season was five, according to HockeyFights.com. But I'm just kind of... Looking at his list here, and it's like Sandstrom, McIntyre, Dean Evison, Sorella, Kissio, Gary Lehman, Brian Bellows, Donald Adet. Although he did have Tenorti and Antoski in there. Okay. Larry Murphy, Bob Airy, Timu Solani, Glenn Anderson. Well, then Tenorti and Karkner. Again. He must have a thing for Tenorti. Uh, oh, and Lapuma, too. I always forget Lapuma played in the NHL for a little bit. But Gilchrist, Brian Prop, Hatcher, Iserman, Tuchuk. Darby Hendrickson, Weimer, Mark Recky, Sandy Moger, Bill Lindsey, Pat Verbeet, Nash, Bill Lindsey again, Luke Robotai, Flurry, Adam Hall. Like these are all like on Chelios's fight card. So I mean, yeah, I mean, but again, I mean, Hall of Fame talent and everything like that. I mean, you can't. There's no, There's no denying that. But I mean, I. To be, I'll be transparent, completely honest, I always hated Chelios, the player, for that very reason. Like, he was dirty as shit, and never backed it up. Um, but again, great player. But I remember the one year, like, he had like 300 minutes one year. And I remember thinking, man, if I was the coach, because it was like 300 minutes in like two fights. And it was like, what are you doing? Like, that is so many useless penalties. Um, and like, for a Hall of Fame player, it's like, come on. You know, and I've had River Jamie Rivers, and I've had guys in the show that say Charlie was like a really great dude, and off the ice and whatever, and great teammate and all that. And he probably, you know, but this has nothing to do with any of that. I'm just talking strictly as fighters, as this article says. <coughs> pardon me, uh, I wouldn't have Chris Chelios near fifty top fifty Black Hawk fighters. Uh, no, that's ridiculous. But again, great player, fighter, terrible. Number two, Keith Magnuson. Well, oh, there you go. Yeah, old school. He didn't always win fights. But, a, he's one of the best captains in Hawks history. and Absolutely always defended a teammate. Uh, consider this. His number is retired, but he scored a grand, a grand total of 14 goals in 589 games. Um, yeah, his 1,400 penalty minutes are second in franchise history to Chelios. Yeah, see, there you go. Like Chelios is like, all oh, there's all these penalty minutes, and it's just like, why? But anyway, yeah, Keith Magnuson. Um, like I said, old school, 70s guy. Um, unfortunately, he was killed in the car crash. Um, guy, too. Um, yeah, again, I I've seen some of his fights on my old 70s discs. Um, yeah, he, you know, he took some lumpins. um, you know, probably wasn't the greatest fighter, but just unbelievable, unwilling, or unwilling, completely willing to fight anybody at any time, and, uh, would get in there. Like I said, that's why he was named the captain, and, uh, the ultimate, uh, you know, uh, you know, what they always say, like, I know it's a cliche, but it's like the warrior, right? And, you know, bleed for the logo, and... Uh, by all accounts, he did that, and uh, I mean, like you said, he's the captain of one of, of a, an original six team, and yeah, his number is retired and, and the guy had 14 goals. So, I mean, that tells you um, it went far beyond stats, and uh, you know, one of probably, a, obviously, a locker room guy, and uh, yeah. Again, if we're talking about fighting prowess, uh, you know, no, I would not have him ahead of again, Reed Simpson and Grimson and all these guys, but uh, uh, willingness, he's right where he should be, for sure. Number one, well, and then number one, Bob Probert. I mean, that's, you know, obviously. Um, you know, uh, I think, uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm just as guilty of it. I, You know, Probert, I guess, for a lot of people, is probably identified as a Red Wing. And that's probably how I identify him as well. <clears throat> but... Yeah, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, so, you know, what, what, one, two, three, four. Yeah, so he played nine years in Detroit and seven in Chicago. So, yeah, so it's almost like equal, right? And, uh, well, it probably is equal because the one year in Detroit he played four games, but in terms of games played, it's probably pretty similar. Um, which is odd because like I said, you always, I always kind of view him as a Detroit guy. Um, granted, Chicago was sort of, um, you know, he was real solid for a couple of years, then he had, you know, some uh you know, he was playing out the end of his career. And he had some tough seasons in Chicago and uh uh you know, and, and took some you know, took some losses and, and and, uh yeah, just got old. And uh so I think that's why I think people would rather sometimes think of him as a Red Wing. But um, yeah, uh, in terms of you know, I, like I said, Bob. Pro, but when Bob Probert's on your team for seven seasons, yeah, he's making the number one list. So, uh, yeah, can't argue with Probert at number one. Could argue with a few of the guys in their list, but uh, there we go. That was an interesting list nonetheless, and um, I appreciate uh, Nick for sending those, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that list. I always actually kind of like it when the list, I've said it before, when the list is kind of like shitty because you kind of take the piss out of it. I kind of enjoy that a little more. That was a little borderline. Yeah, there's a few, eh, you know. Um, hold on. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, those lists are always interesting. Like I said, especially with a team like Chicago, I mean, you could, um, I mean, the list is, I mean, you could have, there's so many guys that you could have on that list. I mean, obviously some of the, like, the bigger omissions that they had on there with, like, you know, Ben, Will- obviously Ben Wilson probably being the first, Um you know, uh, I'm just trying to think. Of I know the old timers was it uh, Reg Fleming would probably be and like Nestoranko and guys like that. I mean, but I mean, um, you know, even the skilled guys, like I was saying before, like, I mean, Steve Thomas, Dirk Graham, guys like that. I mean, I mean, I'd have, you know, when you have Chelios and them on the list and not those guys, I mean, um, you know, Steve Smith, Vanden Bush, Cam Russell, um, Kimball, uh, uh, who will? March Brian Marchmont, um, you know, Jim Cummins, um Van and Bush, I think I already said. Uh you know, I mean wait, hey, Wayne Van Dorp. Actually it's funny, I just put a I I don't people like to shit on Van I like Van Dorp actually. Um he was really good in the American League. Um I actually just put a fight uh, video clip of him well, I've had it on my channel for a while, but I just put it up on uh, kind of throwback Thursday kind of thing. Um, him fighting Herb Ranglin in Nordique's, uh, tra or, uh, practice. And Van, and, uh, old Van Dorp talks to the media after he's like, ah, the guy was asking for it. Yeah. Van Dorp, big dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, Ben Wilson obviously should have been right, right around the top of that list. Again, I know he was at the end, you know, the back end of his career and he had the injuries and stuff, but, you know, uh, I would definitely have him ahead of a lot of those guys, but, uh, but there you go. It was a fun list. And like I said, one of the, truly one of the, um, you know, the, like I said, the original, one of the original six teams. So, I mean, you got a lot of guys to go over. And, uh, but old, uh, old tab missed a few, but, uh, there we go, guys. Uh, like I said, this is almost an hour. This is actually a lot longer than I thought I was going to go. Like I said, I'm, uh, I'm not going to lie, a few beers in. So, uh, forgive me for my, for my, I'm sitting here in the dark drinking out of my glass here and, uh, Yeah, I think my my reading was subpar. I was, like, hooked on phonics over here. But, um, yeah, I'm enjoying my time off here at Christmas. But uh, I want to wish... Well, you guys, like I said, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. You already had Christmas. It's Boxing Day. But I hope everybody had a good Christmas. And uh, thank you very much for tuning in. If you happen to be on social media, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook, give me a follow um if you're like i said if you're on it's boxing day you're trying to christmas hangover hit youtube fourth line voice on youtube subscribe to the channel over 2600 fights on the channel uh always putting new stuff up i got everything sorted so whatever league you're looking for just type it in the search engine boom it'll come up so definitely give that a shot and uh yeah guys i want to thank everybody again for for tuning in and uh uh whatever platform you're listening to uh, this show on could you rate and review my show it helps me out in the searches and, uh, I would greatly appreciate that as well. And I always say this and I feel so douchey saying this, but it's, it's, you know, maybe not for this. If you didn't on this episode, that's fine. If you're going to come back and, uh, and, and be a regular listener, which I greatly appreciate. I always appreciate anybody the fact that they're listening to this. Believe me, believe me, I appreciate it. But if you could download my episode, um, I gotta say, I'm truthful with you guys. I get paid by the download. I don't get paid if you stream it. So, um, I would definitely appreciate it if you download and, uh, yeah, guys. Guarantees to get paid. I got to pay for this Christmas bill somehow. But uh, no, I appreciate everybody taking the time, no matter how you listen to it and on what platform you're listening to. Um, I greatly appreciate it. So thank you very much. And uh, like I said, I hope Santa was good to everybody. And uh, I will talk to you guys on Wednesday for the New Year's show and uh, the year in review. And uh, we'll talk about uh, what went on in 2021 and what's going to happen hopefully in 2022. So I will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?